You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. Go with me uh, to John's Gospel, Chapter 5. And this message is going to be a bit different than uh, online. Actually, it's going to be quite a bit different. So you can go back to the YouTube channel if you care to and hear uh, a bit more about it. I have actually been very concerned about our church and about our, our sort of our environment that we're in as it's related to this subject matter called peace. And, and God has peace for you. Like, I don't know where you're at, but God, he has peace for you. Jesus is that person of peace and the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are inviting you into a sacred and divine relationship with them by which you can experience the internal nature of their character, which is actually peace. And you have to adjust yourself. You have to come to faith. You have to line up with them. We'll look, look at this passage a little bit and talk about a few things. And, um, and, and I want, I, I'm just saying pastorally, I believe this, that, that we've missed kind of the foundation stone of this in light of the pandemic and many other things I talked about the last few weeks. And so I uh, want to really emphasize this for us. John's Gospel, chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time, and he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going down, another steps before me. And so Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now continue on church. Now the day was Sabbath. I'm in verse 10, John 5. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said, take up your bed and walk. In verse 12, though they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? And now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. And verse 14, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed them. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. And so, Father, I pray now as your church is assembled and gathered in your name, that you would come now in the power of the Holy Spirit and speak to us, that we would know you, the power of the resurrection, God, fellowship of the sufferings, Lord Jesus, that you would be truly our God, King, and our peace. We pray this now in your name. And church says, Amen. <clears throat> so very fascinating that in the story that we're looking at, as I'm talking about peace, it really has a very interesting backdrop. Because the backdrop in John chapter 5 is actually King David in 2 Samuel chapter 5. 
And in 2 Samuel chapter 5, I just give it to you by way of reference, because I'm going to keep running, I'm going to keep running. But in 2 Samuel chapter 5, David becomes king of Jerusalem. This is a great thing. Becomes king of Jerusalem. He's finally, finally the king of Jerusalem. Uh, Goliath is dead. No more running. Uh, no more caves. Uh, none of that. Uh, he's now the king. He's now actually going to be the king. And he takes over uh, what was once controlled by the Jebusites. And so he comes now. And because the Jebusites were trying to slow David down, what they did is they put invalids all around Jerusalem thinking they were mistaking the laws of Moses, but they were thinking, well, we know that Jews have particular you know, laws about what kind of people they can touch and not touch. And so maybe, maybe these invalids will keep them from coming into this place because they're so concerned with holiness. They're so concerned with, pur- with purity. These are people who don't know the word of God. They had Moses completely wrong as culture gets the word of God wrong. And so they thought that could stop God. They thought that could stop David. It didn't. However, David did say something. He actually pronounces a form of a curse. And he says, let all invalids and let all people like that be outside of Jerusalem. Let them not come into the city of David. Okay, so that's the backstory. And so now Jesus is going to go to a Jewish feast, and he's going to worship. Now, if you know anything about Jerusalem, it, it, it's, it's very much like a wedding cake, you know? And so there's the top portion of the wedding cake, and then wider and wider and wider kind of as you get out. And it's this, you know, short mountain hilltop uh, kind, of, kind of experience to look at. And so there was a tremendous water source there, a tremendous baths that you could take. There was mikvahs. We would think of them jacuzzis. And, and so you were going to go to worship. You had to cleanse yourself, which is a sense of going into a baptismal pool, which would have steps that you would come down. You go into the baptismal pool. That's part of your dedication to the Lord. You come out the other side, and you're probably going to serve the Lord. So it was a priest or priestess or, or, or be in some sort of servitude or worship. There was a huge court of women that was sort of misnamed. It was definitely gals were there, but that's where you wanted to be if you wanted like the rock star, superstar music worship, you know, and that was going on there. And uh, on the, some of the fringes, there'd be dancing, be very celebratory to come to worship, uh, lots of fellowship, lots of relationship. But if you were sick, you were out. So how many sick people are there in the world? How many sick people can't come into the house of God? So more so than with David, and so, so that was that, that whole statement that David meant in terms of kind of like a militaristic thing of like, let's keep sick people out of here, ultimately became kind of a curse. And so now in the context of this place that we're reading here, where the story tells us about in Jerusalem, the sheep gate in Aramaic called Bethesda, this is the only time that word Bethesda is mentioned. And, and it actually, Beth, Bethel, Beth would be in Hebrew, that would be house. And so this is house of mercy, Bethesda. This would be house of kindness. Or also in, 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 in the language, house of healing. Okay, so you understand Jesus, right? So he, this is all very intentional. I'm going somewhere that related to peace. And so, so the, Lord, the Lord is going to go to the sheep gate. Jesus is the Lamb of God, all Christians should say. Yes, he's the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. 
And so the Lamb of God, who is a true Lamb of God, is actually going to go to the sheep gate. It's what you think. It's actually, it's kind of like the, about the, it's actually more narrow than this tent doors, and it's where the sheep came in. And now they're going to go to a pool, this pool that is called Bethesda, which is the pool of mercy, the pool of kindness, the pool of healing. And so they're going to go to this pool, which is named like this. And then what's going to happen is Jesus is going to go there. And Jesus is that lamb. And there's other lambs that are going in this water. Why are they going in this water? And this is a huge pool. It's so deep. It's so wide. It's fresh water. But all these animals are going in. They're going down the steps and then coming out. And there are all these lambs going down the steps and coming out. What are they going to do? These are the sacrificial lambs. Right? So, so they've been out in the countryside, it's a whole nother story, and these sacrificial lambs are now going to come into the sheep gate, there's last little bathing, and then they're going to go, right? And then they're going to go, they're going to go to be sacrificed. Jesus comes as that Lamb of God. I am that Lamb of God. And so I'm now going to come, I'm going to further identify with that, and now there's a man there who's sick. And Jesus is going to say, in my kingdom, I keep nobody out. In fact, you who are now like thought of to be cursed or you have actually bad, this man is actually not thinking biblically, you know, because he, he sits there and says, Jesus says in verse six, do you want to be healed? And he says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up while I'm going another steps down before me. He's actually not thinking biblically. He's thinking wrongly. He's thinking somehow of like a mysticism or something mystical that, you know, when you look at a pool of water and sometimes it puddles like this or it ripples rather like this, there is this false unbiblical way of thinking that when, the, when there's a ripple of the tide, there's an angel stirring the waters and therefore there's healing taking place. And so I, if I dive in the water, then I'm healed. That's just a big fat lie. Just like we have big fat lies today about things related to healing and faith and other things. And so, so it wasn't true. And, and so Jesus is asking him though, do you want to be healed? Don't run past that in terms of peace. Church, let me ask you, I'm asking you directly, do you want peace? And do you want to be healed? Those are direct questions from God that come to us, just like to this man at this moment in Bethesda, this house, this place of kindness, mercy, and healing. And so Jesus will say to him, get up, take your bed, and walk. Now, what's so fascinating to me about that is that he didn't pray. Right? So when we are asking for people to get saved, we pray and we should pray because that's how we're having this conversation with the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. But he is so connected as God in human flesh that he just proclaims it and pronounces it. And so it's going to be manifest. It's going to happen. When Jesus comes at that moment and, and he says to this man, you know, figuratively over here, and he says, get up, and, and, and go and walk. Take your mat and walk, and you don't need to be in this pool. You need me. Because what Jesus is doing at that very moment is he's actually removing the curse. See, a curse that people put on wrongly, 
a curse that spirits have put on wrongly, a removal from God's house of this peace. And Jesus is going to come as that lamb. No doubt it's the festivals. And so these lambs are going on. These lambs are going down. This man is sick. And he says, I am actually going to remove the curse from this place and remove the curse from this house. I'm going to proclaim this man clean and healed, even though it's on the Sabbath day. Awesome. Incredible move of God. And so some of your lives and some of our lives are actually to allow Christ to simply proclaim to us the removal of any kind of curse that's on us, the removal of all of that. And it starts at salvation. It starts by giving your life to Christ. It starts by developing a relationship with God. It starts by repenting of your sins. It starts by inviting yourself to be full of the Holy Spirit. It starts with devotion to the Word of God. It's not a guessing game. It's opening the book, reading it, meditating on it. Let the Holy Spirit fill you with waves and waves of God's love and mercy and strength and truth over and over again. Hallelujah, right? Okay, so go with me here on this, on this, uh, on this illustration. I got to watch the clock here with kids in ministry. Okay, so just go with me with this illustration to understand the nature of building a relationship with God. Because I'm going to reference just moment here in John's Gospel, chapter seven, verse thirty-seven, where uh, the the reference of Jesus at the great feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacle, Feast of Booths. This is in September. And, you know, uh, and, and, and the, the rivers of, of living water can flow. And see, I'm talking about peace. And some of you, like my own personal life, are in, are in seasons of actual real duress. And so your circumstances are difficult and maybe aren't changing as fast as you like. And you're thinking, where's the peace? Because you're thinking peace is this circumstances change. And I'm telling you, there's something greater than your circumstances for which you can shout hallelujah and amen, right? Okay, so illustration. Imagine, imagine a, a, a young couple is married, and, uh, and so the wife is in the kitchen, and uh, the husband's uh, sitting in a chair just outside the kitchen, and the wife says, honey, I, I actually have to, I have to go. I just realized I got called back to the office. I've, got to, I've actually got to leave suddenly. Could you, could you please just finish cleaning up the kitchen with the dishes? You know, could you just, please, I've got to actually go back to the office. I know it's after hours, and, uh, but I've, I've got to actually go back to the office and take care of a few things. Could you please do that? Imagine the husband says, okay, you know, here's the deal, honey. Can I ask you a question? Is this a matter of divorce? Like, seriously, like, like, you know, are you going to divorce me if I don't go do that? Okay, well, 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 well no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to divorce you if you don't get up and do the dishes for me at this moment in time. I just was asking for some help. No, I'm not going to divorce you. Okay, well, if you're not going to divorce me, here's the deal. I don't really feel like doing it. I don't really want to do it. So how about you do it? Okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And she does it nicely, and then she leaves. She goes about it. Okay, now, a couple weeks go by. And, uh, and, uh, and, she, and she says, hey, 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 honey, you know what? I, I could use a lot of help in the laundry room. Could you, could you help me in the laundry room? Probably know where this is going, right? And the husband says, is this a matter of divorce if I help you or not? Because I, I don't really want to help you right now. 
And uh, I actually, I'm, I'm digging, sitting in my chair, man. I'm really, I'm really into this. I'm into the book and the game, and I got my podcast going on. And, uh, and so, so is this a matter of divorce? If it's a matter of divorce, I will get up and help you. But if it's not a matter of divorce, I, want, I don't want to help you right now. I'm going to sit in my chair. It's not a matter of divorce. I'm just asking for your help for a few moments in the laundry room. It's really not that big a deal. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go do it myself. Right? And she, she asked that question to him in several illustrations, time after time after time. And his response is, is this a matter of divorce? I don't want to. I'll stay here. Okay, church, let's talk. How's that relationship? All right, the wife is a woman of real character. She says, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna chew you out. I'm not gonna bite at you even. But no, this is not a matter of divorce. I'm gonna stick there, right? But all of us would say that that man is actually not treating that woman well. Correct? Are you ready for it? So often our relationship with God, we treat him worse than that. Just straight up. God, I want your peace. Okay, well, will you? You know, and it's some sort of movement. You know, it's some sort of movement. You know, will you pray to me? Will you be humble? Will you be humble before God's people? Will you, will you, he's got, Holy Spirit's gonna try and move you so that you can experience that peace. And our response is, Christian, well, is it a matter of divorce, Jesus? Like, am I gonna lose my salvation? I mean, is, is it really all about works? I thought it was about grace. What about faith? And I heard this message this way, I heard that message that way. And so, and so, and so on. No, I love you. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I have strength for you and love for you and truth for you, but I do have a relationship with you, and my feelings count in this relationship as well, says the Lord God on high. I am holy. I am glorious. My presence changes atmospheres. My grace heals bones. I speak barely a word. I'm not done with the syllable, and it must actually happen. And I invite you into my sacred economy of my own heart and soul to simply love me because I love you. And that's, that's what we see with this man. That's, what we, that's what's so incredible with this, with this man because, because, listen, Jesus says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And he does it. Notice verse 9 there. He says, and at once the man was healed and took up his bed and walked. And, and now he's meeting those who are opposed to Jesus. He doesn't care. Ah, I don't even know who that guy was. Jesus is going to come back and identify him in the story. Others are saying, you're not supposed to be doing that. I don't care. The, the, the God of the universe came into my life and set me free of my sin and, and gave me a new life and proclaimed to me and freed me. And I don't care if you're opposed to him because I'm with him. All the way to the end. 
Jesus in John chapter 7. Oh, I got to hustle really, really quick. You guys, yeah, some of this is on the YouTube channel, so you can get that. But anyway, in verse chapter 7, verse 37, the last day of the feast, the great day Jesus stood up and cried out. I want you to listen to that. Jesus is standing up and he's crying out. So if you think I have a loud voice, if you think sometimes I cry or whatever, trust me, it'd be much greater than that. And uh, he didn't have a microphone or anything. And if anyone thirsts, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty, friends? Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, one practical, we'll play. Because Jesus is in John chapter 16, is going to say in verse 33, that in this world you're going to have tribulations and troubles, but uh, I have overcome the world. So, so none of the context of these verses is like some sort of fake, you know, doesn't work in the real world. No, that's actually the opposite. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have trials. And so the reality of faith and my strength is actually going to work in negotiating the real world because I've actually overcome that real world. So this is a simple bottle of water. All right, there's nothing to it. Now, just imagine if I, if I gave this to you and I said, you can't set it down all day. You got to hold it all day. Whatever you're doing, you got to hold it all day. Just hold it all day. Just hold it all day. Hold it all day. You're going to say, why? And I said, don't ask me why. I'm your pastor. Yeah, you could ask me why. But I want you to hold it all day. You are from Puerto Rico. Okay, I'll hold it all day for you, right? So you hold it all day and you go throughout your day. How happy are you? You're bothered. You're like, I just don't know why you're asking me to hold on to this all day. But I'm going throughout my day. If I'm in the trades, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do something like this or whatever. You know, if I'm on the phone, then I'm doing that. But I'm holding it all day. And I'm just like, you know what? This thing is really a bother. Yes? That's right. Because you're holding on to something that's not meant to be held on to all day. And so you have to actually open it, pour it out, and set it down. And so I don't know all the burdens inside of your life, but I'm telling you that our human propensity is to actually hold on to things that is actually not ours divinely to hold on to. But we hold on to it. The offense, the pain, fear. Fear of being sick or fear of dying or fear of what's going to happen to another person that we love or, or something like that. And so we hold on to it. We just hold on to it. We just hold on to it. And the Lord is saying, just like to this man who's holding on to this false notion of healing, this false notion of faith, he's holding on to something, holding on to some Jesus sets him free of it. And you have to pour those things out and you actually need to set them down and not pick it up because it was never yours. How are we doing? I got to let you go, and I got a lot more to say, but we'll see how we do. I know this, church. I speak as a human man. <laughs> I know this. 
set it down. Don't pick it up. There are things that are not yours to be picked up. Of pain and grief and sadness. Christ God our Savior says that He's the only one who has permission to condemn anybody because He's God. That's Romans chapter 8. Verse 1 all the way to the end. In the middle of that dissertation on forgiveness, which starts with there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and then the middle says, if an angel or demon were to even come and condemn you, no. So you've got to set it down and put on a robe called the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He will be your peace over every circumstance of your life. As a great hymn says, and he must win the battle because it is to his own glory. And you are invited into that place of his own glory where he must win that battle. Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. Pray with me, church. Pray with me. I want to enjoy a meditation with you. I want to enjoy meditation with you. So, Father, we come now and we pray, Jesus, that you would come and visit. That you would actually come and visit us and that you would help, Jesus. That you would help. That you would help, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.